What great worship today. To be in God's presence, to be lifting his name up, isn't that fantastic to be together? Do you know the Bible says that one day, whether you like it or not, every knee will bow before the risen Savior of the world. Let's not wait until eternity to do that. Let's do that now, right? We have the choice now to bow and to worship before the King. And so today we celebrate that he is risen. <laughs> All right, we celebrate Jesus risen, and he has transformed our lives, and so it is so good to celebrate today. As I've been thinking about uh, this time and thinking about Easter and preparation, what to share, the words that just kept coming to my mind is this, it's a new day. How many of you need a new day? <laughs> We need a new day, and, and the story of Easter begins on that Easter Sunday morning where before, at the, at the break of dawn, the tomb was discovered empty. This morning as I was reading through the, the story of Easter again in the Gospel of Matthew and just, just reading through the events of, of Good Friday and that, that silent Saturday, and as I was reading the page, uh, you know, turning the page and reading in Matthew chapter 28, the beginning of of this uh, new day, it says, as the new day was dawning, and I look outside, and the sun was coming up over the trees. And isn't there something about when sunlight hits you, when that morning comes? I know some of you, you're, you're, you like to like sleep in in the mornings, but, but there's something powerful about the sun coming through. And I believe that, that we all need a new day. We all need a fresh start. We need a new beginning. And Easter is that opportunity. It's the chance for us to do that. Now, I don't know why you're here today. I know we're here for a lot of different reasons. I know many that are here today who have who've surrendered their life to Christ and, and given their life to Christ, have been baptized and, and, and experienced the resurrected Jesus. We would say we are singing these songs, and when we say all hail King Jesus, we are singing to Jesus today, the risen Savior of the world, and that he's alive and we celebrate that day today. But I also know that some of you here today might think, eh, I'm not so sure about all this Jesus stuff. I'm not sure. I'm kind of skeptical. I, I have my doubts. I have my challenges. I appreciate it even Braden saying up here, I still have my doubts. You know, we have our challenges. But you know, you think through and you go, is this just an event where we, where we look back and, and we celebrate some historical event today? Something that happened 2,000 years ago and it was some man uh, that, that, by the way, um, history proves there was a man named Jesus. He did live. He was crucified. The records show, the history shows, and, and, and yet do we believe that he's cruci crucified and, and raised to new life? That he didn't stay in the tomb, that he rose again, and we struggle with that, and we may have doubts and challenges. I want you to know you're not alone, and you're welcome here. You're welcome to grow in your faith. You're welcome to kind of check under the hood to see and, to, you know, what, and, and test drive and say, God, okay, what is the story all about? What is God doing in this moment of Easter? Again, you're in good company if you're doubting because you know who some of the first people were that doubted? The disciples, right? The story of Easter has been a story with, that has been faced with skepticism for hundreds and thousands of years, and yet hundreds upon thousands upon millions and billions of people have come to discover the truth that Jesus Christ is alive and the difference that it makes in their lives. And we're gonna look at that today because I believe every one of us Every one of us needs a new day. And when we want to experience a new day, a new beginning, a fresh start, what we often struggle with is that, that often something else has to die before we can experience new life. Something in our lives that's maybe not um, flourishing, and we have a hard time letting go, we have a hard time moving on and accepting that maybe something is done, something has finished, something has died. As a culture, we don't do very well with death, do we? Right? 
We like, we, we, we like to avoid death at, at, at all costs. We're not comfortable around it. If you're ever like in, you know, in places where there's you know, hospice or somebody's dying or we don't know quite how to talk, we don't know what to say, we're uncomfortable around death. And, and at some level, that's okay because I think we all long for life, right? We're wired to want life. Our mission at, the, at Meadow Park is to do whatever it takes to help people experience life to the fullest in Christ. So we want to experience life. And so, yes, we want to avoid death. But even when it comes to, to, to funerals, we don't even like to call them that anymore. What do we call them? Celebrations of life, right? And that's not bad, and I'm okay with calling it that because we do want to celebrate a person's life. But sometimes we just want to avoid death altogether. And so even with the Easter story, we want to avoid Good Friday, the day where Jesus gave up his life. Where it says, out of the tremendous love that God has for you, that God loved you so much that he laid down his life, that he would surrender his life on a cross. And there in the darkness of, of Good Friday, we don't like to linger there. It's about crosses and torture and nailing someone to the cross. And it's filled with blood and a crown of thorns and a spear stuck in Jesus' side. The earth shaking, the sky growing dark, sadness, despair, hope is, is, is gone as people's desires for what King Jesus would be faded quickly. And there Jesus died, and we want to avoid that. We don't want to spend time there. But it is in that moment that the transformation happens. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, and the sky grew dark, and the earth shook, and he was hanging there, he said these three words. He said, it is finished. And he hung his head, and he breathed his last. And I think so many times when we're stuck in the things that we're grieving, that we're mourning. We feel like it is finished. Maybe you just got some diagnosis in the last week or in the last couple of months and you're learning about what this might mean and you go, my life is finished as I know it. Maybe it's that dreaded word cancer or maybe it's just something else that, is, that has got you struggling to reconcile your future and how you're gonna live with this diagnosis, live with this disease. Maybe you're really dealing with the loss of a loved one right now. Somebody close to you has passed away, and you can't imagine what life is going to look like going forward. You feel like it is finished. You feel like it's over. Maybe you're moving into a new stage of life, a transition, and you're grieving what was before. You're getting married, and you're going, oh, man, I miss my singleness. No. Does anyone know? We don't do that. <laughs> singleness is awesome, but you know what? Married life is awesome. But maybe you're married and then you're having kids and kids are awesome, but you're missing that you used to have your weekends and your evenings and you could travel and do things. Like every stage, every season, maybe we grieve a transition, a change. Maybe you lost a job. Somebody shared with me this, just this morning, they lost their job this past week. And struggling going, okay, how, what do I do with that? And yet the hope that they have in Christ is getting them through, but, but we mourn and we grieve. Maybe it's something you've done to someone or something, that some, or something that someone has done to you and there's unforgiveness in your heart or you're having trouble reconciling your own shame and guilt with what you've done and there's a death and there's a dying and you feel like it is finished. How do I move on from here? How do I go through the doubt? But you know what? Jesus, when he said it is finished, he didn't mean like it's over now. What he meant was it's completed. I finished the work that I've came to do, and now it's just beginning. Now what is to come is what's going to change everything. That when they put Jesus in the tomb, he didn't stay there. When they rolled that stone in front, so many of us feel like it's over. The stone has been rolled in front. All the darkness in my life is just stuck there. How do I move forward? How do I go into that? And Jesus brought about redemption. He said, death is not the end. 
death is just the beginning into a new life, into a new experience. As the first century Roman philosopher said, Seneca, he said, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Every new beginning, every new start comes from some other beginning's end. Now, some of you are missing this because you're going, I didn't think that was Seneca. You thought it was Semisonic from 1998, the song Closing Time. Anyone? Anyone? Right? All right. Fess up. You're more into the, you know, modern-day rock and roll theologians than philosophers of, of old. Regardless, the quote, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. We don't like endings. We want to hold on, but we can't experience what is new while we're still holding on to the past. And with Jesus, it's a new day. And I want to look today at the story that we read of that first Easter Sunday in the Gospel of Matthew, the first nine verses. As the women arrive at the tomb, they're in their gloom, they're in their grief. They are coming to take care of Jesus' body, to embalm it, to do all the, the, the rituals of, of, uh, of passing in that culture. And they had to wait till the Passover was over, their celebration. And so Sunday morning was the first day, the morning after the Passover. And so they were going, and they were going with heavy hearts, with sadness, all their hopes, all their dreams, everything they thought about Jesus and what would happen was all shattered. And so with heavy hearts and with sadness, with fear, the rest of the disciples were hiding. You know, there were guards that were posted in front of this tomb, but they were going to come now. They were going to embalm and do the things and prepare Jesus' body and so when they show up, this is what we read about here, beginning with the, the, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, and here's that phrase, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow." Crazy scene. Imagine going, to, you know, having had a funeral maybe, you know, on Friday a few days ago, and you were at the cemetery, and you saw the casket being lowered, and you saw the dirt was put on top, and now you're coming back to pay your respects a couple days later and to just spend some time there, and you come, and there's an angel sitting on the grave. It's dug up, and he begins talking to you and speaking to you, and this is what, what, what the Marys are experiencing in this moment. The stone has been rolled aside, and what we see here in this moment is that darkness is turning to light. We see this contrast in the story we've been reading through, through Good Friday, and you see all of the, the darkness and the torture and the blood and the shame and the hurt and the fear and the despair and the sadness, and all of a sudden there's this, this, this hope that comes in, this light that comes shining through. The stone is rolled away, and that bright morning sun just comes hitting in there. And I think all of us in our life, in some place, maybe in some way, that we may have a, a corner of darkness, something where we, some place where we don't let anybody in. Maybe it's something you're dealing with right now. Maybe it's a secret addiction. Maybe it's a challenge. Maybe it's some shame and guilt from the past. Maybe it's something that somebody has done to you, and, and you just, just, man, we just seal it off. It's like a stone's been rolled in front of that tomb, and it's darkness, and we just, we just hold on to that. And we don't want any light into that but because we fear what might happen. But what we see in the story, when it's a new day, when Jesus enters the picture, when on Easter Sunday it's a new day, light streams into that darkness, and we don't have to fear that light. That light has a drawing power. That light calls us to life. My wife and I, uh, you know, one, of the, one of the more challenging times of the year is, uh, is mornings. <laughs> Happens 365 days a year. Um, <laughs> But the morning, especially after spring forward, when, you know, when you, you know, you're just starting to get used to the mornings getting a little bit brighter, and then wham, right? 
you turn your clocks forward, and now it's dark again. And it's hard to get up when, when it's dark. How many, I'm just curious, how many of you are morning people? You don't have any problem getting up when the morning happens, okay? The rest of us don't like you eight people out here. We're, <laughs> we're jealous of you. I mean, we wish we were you. We wish we could just get up like that. But so, so my wife and I, we bought a sad light. Now, it's not a depressing light, but like seasonal affective disorder. It's called light therapy. It's like a little box like this. And it emits like this white, like daylight kind of light. And so we set it up in, in, the, in the corner of our, our bedroom and we set it to, to start gradually getting lighter half an hour before we're supposed to wake up. And so it just slowly, gradually starts getting lighter. And I tell you, every time when that happens, that time of year, it fools me every single time, right? Our bodies and our minds are made to come and to come awake and to come alive. And light has that drawing power to call us to a new day to say, there's a fresh start. There's a chance for you to step out of darkness and into the light. It's a new day. But the story continues. So the, the, the women are experiencing this. And then it says this, the guards that were there, they shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, women. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When Jesus enters the picture, when we have the hope of Christ, what begins to happen is our fear will turn to courage. Fear turns to courage. We see in the Bible over three, I think 365 times, it says some form of fear not or don't be afraid. Because I think we fear often. As people, we, we, we can live in fear and fear can hold us back. And when I think about our faith, as we wrestle our faith, or even as we wrestle with the story about Jesus, did he die on the cross? Is he, did he rise from the dead? Is the Bible true? Is Christianity real? Is Jesus still alive today? I think we can uh, approach it with fear. And when it comes to natural fear, you've heard of the fight or flight response. When it comes to fear, we might fight it. And some of you maybe have been fighting your faith for a long time. You've been fighting the words of Scripture. You've been fighting the message of Christianity, the truth of Jesus. You've been fighting what uh, your parents have said or, or faithful relatives. You've been fighting the church and, and you've been and saying, no, I'm not going that way and it's exhausting and you're searching for truth in all different kinds of places and maybe you're finding something here and something there but it doesn't seem to last the call is to find courage to lean in but the other response is flight when it comes to our faith some of us you know we're, we're, we're leaving we're avoiding it we're staying as far away as we can from church from god from scripture from anything of faith and saying it can't possibly be i don't want to have anything to do with it but what we see in the resurrection is that we don't have to live in fear, but that we can have courage. And that we can live in that courage. And those of us who know Jesus to have the courage to know that, that God is guiding us forward, that we don't have to be afraid. Fear turns to courage. In verse five and six we read, the angel says, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. And then come these crazy words, the most amazing words ever spoken. He says, he isn't here, he is risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. This is where things change. In this moment, everything changes. Everything, the course of history has been changed because of that very moment. That all of a sudden, in this moment, death no longer has the power, but we move from death to life. Death, it's the ultimate fear that everyone has. It's the one power that no one can conquer, no matter how much money, no matter if you make the Forbes billionaire's top list, if you're the A-lister in Hollywood, if you are successful to no end, you cannot defeat death. Death is the ultimate power. And here in this moment, we see these words proclaimed, he is risen. He is alive. Oh yeah, he isn't here. 
And not only that, just as he said would happen, to not only rise again, but to predict this new life. And we see this move from death to life, death not having the power. And it's not just in eternal life, but it's in everything in our lives that death doesn't have the power over us, that things can be resurrected, they can be brought to new life. There's this example of the seed that Scripture talks about as well. Any seed, you can hold it in your hand as long as you want, you can can wish for it to do better, you can better, you can pour water on it, it's not going to grow. What has to happen to that seed? It has to be buried. It has to be planted. It has to be buried under the ground. And when it dies, when it breaks open, new life comes forth from that. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was that seed, that through him, new life is found. So we don't have to live in the, in, the, in the fear of death and in the grip of death, but we can experience that new life. And when we move from death to life, it's a new day. And then the story goes on. The angel tells them, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. You're going to see him. You're not just going to hear about this, but now you're going to see him. And so what they thought was done, they thought Jesus was dead, they thought everything was over, their despair turned to hope. And in that moment, things changed, and in the despair that you're in, the struggle that you're dealing with, it turns to hope, but not only did their despair turn to hope, we read in the next verse, the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. Their sadness turned to joy. I mean, in just these few verses, we're seeing life. Everything's being transformed as they encounter the risen Christ that now they're being told, you're going to see him. You're going to experience him, and, and, and you no longer have to live in despair. You can live with hope. And some of you are stuck in despair and in sadness and in grief. You're wondering if the future could be as good as maybe what you had in the past. Could it really be that God could resurrect something that's dead? A a relationship that's gone south, something that you thought would never happen, whether it's in your finances or in your health or with people you're connecting with, the dreams, the hopes that you had. You don't have to live in despair. There's hope. You don't have to stay in that sadness. Now we're all humans. We experience sadness. But there's a deeper joy, something that isn't passing, something that doesn't just come with the latest you you know, gizmo that we buy and the latest vacation that we go on. Those things are wonderful but a lasting, deep-seated joy. Transformation comes. And then in verse 9, we read, And as they went, Jesus met them, and he greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Think about that. Jesus met them, and as a response, they worshipped him. When it's a new day, when it's a new day, our doubt turns to faith. And that's the hope that we don't have to stay in that doubt, that we can have faith. The women didn't just hear about it. They didn't just, just, weren't just told about it. They experienced it for themselves. And in that moment when they experienced Jesus, it resulted in worship. And that's why we can be in the same place and some be filled with worship and praise because they've encountered Jesus and others. It's just a room. We're just in some gym that's set up to be like a sanctuary and I don't know what's going on here. We need a spiritual awakening. We need spiritual renewal, and God calls us to him. His light draws us towards him. We don't have to live in doubt, and we can work through doubt, and doubt is the bridge to faith. Doubt is the bridge that we stand on, and it it becomes faith, and we start saying, Jesus, I believe. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died for me. 
So the women were, were transformed, and they go and they tell the disciples, and they share this amazing story, and what was their reaction? <laughs> the Bible tells us the disciples doubted. <laughs> Again, it's a natural part. It's an understanding of, of, of this supernatural story. But it did happen. It is real. Jesus loved you that much. He died for you. And when Jesus appeared to the disciples, things began to change. One disciple has, has the unfortunate adjective for the rest of eternity, his name is Thomas. What's his descriptor? Doubting Thomas. <laughs> Doubting Mark. <laughs> Doubting you and me, right? We, we have to overcome our doubts, but he didn't stay there. Jesus told him, you know, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Put your hope, put your trust, put it in Jesus and watch what happens. Watch how Christ transforms you. And I see this and I go, why do we continue to live in darkness? Why are we afraid to step into the light? Why do we live with fear why do we allow things to just die and think there is no hope for them and the despair, the sadness, the doubt? Wouldn't you much rather live in this way? Jesus offers us that promise. And for those of us, for those of you here who have already given your life to Christ, who have professed faith in him, who know he's alive, I have a couple challenges for you as well. When people look at us, when people look at believers, you ought to be, we ought to be the most light emanating people on planet Earth. Am I right? Can I get an amen? Why are we doom and gloom? Oh, the election, the politics, oh, the economy, oh, the wars, and oh, this now it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be unconcerned about those things, but we have a hope. We can look forward, we can say there's, there's something more, there's something bigger, this isn't the end. God can redeem all those things, and, if, and Jesus is the hope of the world. Thing, you know, we can work all we want on crime and on, on legislation and on whatnot, but if, until we have Jesus, right, we're going to continue to search for answers that aren't going to fully satisfy. There's hope, and we ought to be the most light-filled, light-emanating people, the most courageous people. Instead, sometimes we cower, oh, I can't talk about Jesus. I'm afraid what people will say. Have some courage. Have some boldness. The tomb is empty. We serve a God who can't, you know, we can't be killed. The worst thing that can happen to us is someone takes our life and we get to spend eternity with Jesus. We ought to live with some more courage. Where is that faith to step forward? Life. We should be dealing in life. We know where life comes from. We know the source of life. It is found in our creator in Jesus Christ. It is found when we lay down our own lives and surrender to him. We step into new life. We should be life-giving. To wherever we go, we give life. Let's not be stingy. There's life for you. You can have life. Let me show you. Let me tell you. Hope and joy. Something in our spirit. The same person who told me after the, the first service that they lost their job this week said, you know, but I don't know how people without faith go through times like that. I know God is with me and it's going to be okay and he's going to redeem it and I'm going to share with, with others that that lost their job this week too in my company. I've got hope. I've got joy and to still be able to be in worship. That doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't mean it doesn't, it's not gonna be a, a new season. But they can live with hope. We can live with joy. And when I think about that last thing with faith, we ought to be the most faith-filled people. Faith-filled, faithful. That's the transformation, that we live in that way, that we live in that light. May God move in us to be those kind of people. When we celebrate Easter, when we recognize what Jesus did for us on the cross, it's a new day and it changes everything. I want you to hear the story of a man whose life was dramatically changed. His name is Shane. 
I got in with the wrong crowd and I started to um, pinch cars, burgle houses, uh, become known, me and my friends become known as very high profile thieves really. I used to carry big knives, uh, the, the big knives to the smaller knives down my waist and I was the kind of person where if you pulled a knife out, I would use it. I ended up stabbing someone in the head. I ended up um, stabbing someone just missing his heart and going through the top of his shoulder, uh, the, the top of his chest and his shoulder weight. He dropped to the floor and so I was on the run for two attempted murders. And then I was just, when I went to prison, I had such a hatred for the system and I couldn't handle being told what to do, couldn't handle prison officers mucking me about. When I went out on association, I got a prison officer and I, uh, I stabbed him. And then this led to me going into maximum security prisons, being put on CSC. It's where they feed you through a hatch in the door. There's no physical contact, so they have to have ride shields and ride gear on. Um, and that was my life for a long, long time, basically. And I, I just was going from prison to prison, prison to prison. But then I ended up going to Long Larton in Worcestershire. And when I was in there, I ended up going in an ALF course. Never heard of an ALF course, didn't know anything. And I just remember walking in because it sent me down. I sat down on a chair and I thought, oh no, it's a Christian thing. <laughs> and we'd just go there every week and I would argue. And the pastor, um, I remember he come to me. He said, right, I'm going to say a few scriptures first before we pray. And one of them was, no one's righteous, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then he said the verses about Jesus and explained a bit why he died on the cross for sinners and stuff. And then he said, pray. So I started praying. And I said, uh, God, I said, God, if you're real, come into my life because I hate who I am. And nothing happened. But then, as I was talking to the pastor, I started to feel this energy feeling in my stomach. And it started to raise up and raise up and raise up and raise up. And I just broke out into uncontrollable um, tears. And I just sobbed. <clears throat> and I just... Because that was a change in my whole life. I knew God was real. Um, and no one will change that now. And then I remember <laughs> running on the wing. People clearly knew that I'd become a Christian. So I actually helped them on another two Alpha courses. And then I, I, um, I got released. I've been in a prison where I... Because you would have thought that the prison where I stopped the prison officers would have been the last prison to have me. But they were the first. It's how good works. The best thing for me is going in prisons and helping the lads in prison and, and trying to tell them about God. I've got five kids and they're my life. Um, and what upsets me is because now I know um, that back then, if I had the kids, uh, they wouldn't have had a good upbringing. And now they sit on the night and have Bible studies with their dad. Um, <clears throat> Bible study with a dad, have a life, the beautiful, um, and my life, and probably is my wife and my kids is the best gift, that, apart from the grace God's given me, is the best gift I've ever, he'll ever give me. Um, Didn't expect to cry like that. We're covered now.
amazing story when God's grace gets a hold of us, that we can have a new life, that we can experience a new day. It's not just for stories of someone who's been in prison for attempted murder, but if it can happen to him, if God can transform and change his life, why not yours and mine? If God can work in, in Brooklyn and Braden's life, transforming us from young to old and anywhere in between. But you know what God often uses in our pain, our difficulty, our suffering, our struggles, our sadness, he uses those very things to draw us closer to him. And he doesn't just watch from a distance. As we know through the cross, he enters our suffering. He enters our pain, and he wants to redeem it, and he wants to bring us to a new place. My hope and prayer is that you would surrender to Jesus whatever it is that's holding you back. What is it right now? What is it in that dark place? What, is, what have you sealed behind a, a stone in a tomb that you have rolled the stone in front and said, no, I'm not letting anyone in there? What would it look like for you to surrender that to Jesus and say, God, I need your light shining into that very place in my life. I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start. I want to live with the hope. I want to live with a purpose. I want to live with the peace of knowing my creator, knowing that I'm forgiven, knowing that I'm free, and just to live in that way. This is a time to do that. If we don't die to ourselves, we will never be fully alive. We have to go through that death. We have to go through that difficulty to say, God, I lay it all down. I surrender. But because of what Jesus did for us, we just have to lean on Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live in that trust. It's not what I've done. God loved me. He gave himself for me on that cross. And so now I live. I died to myself. Jesus says, anyone who wants to be my follower, you have to lay down your life. He says, anyone who tries to hold on to his life is going to lose it. But if you give up your life, that's when you find true life. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I want to end with this. It says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That's the hope and the promise of Easter. That's the hope and the promise of Jesus Christ who came because of his amazing love for you. That you are worthy that he would take his life, lay it down for you and say, I will bear the shame, the guilt, the pain, the struggle, the death, and I'm going to redeem it so that you can live in the freedom and in the fullness of life. Don't stay, don't stay stuck in the dark. Don't continue to live in, in despair and in sadness and in death, but allow Christ to bring you and to lead you into a new life. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Just like Shane was challenged in that prison setting, I want to challenge you. Just pray in your own heart to God. Tell him right now what's on your life. Maybe your prayer is like his. Oh God, if you're real, hear my prayer. God, I'm a sinner. God, I've got my struggles and hangups, but I give them to you. Share with Jesus what's on your heart right now. Give him thanks if he's made a difference in your life, if he is your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. That you know each and every one of our hearts. 
Father, thank you for coming, for dying on the cross for our sins, for loving us that much. And Father, of your promise to always be with us. Lord, I pray that any here today who don't know you or who are taking a step of faith this very moment, Easter 2023, a fresh start, a new beginning. God, we celebrate that. We celebrate new life that is taking birth, a change that is taking place, and God, a, a journey that's begun. And Father, no matter where we are on that journey, we walk with you, we hold on to you. Father, right now in those dark places where there's sadness, where there's grief, where there's despair, where there's loss, where there's trauma, where there's shame, God, where there's guilt, thank you that you will take all of that that you will make us new, that the old life is gone, a new life has begun. Help us to live in that freedom. Help us to live in that confidence and in that wonderful relationship with you. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you and we walk with you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.